The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, what happens when you have explosive energy combined with audio overload, nonstop fun, you mix in some sand and sun, and even throw in Disneyland, which all leads to a lot of sleep deprivation, but it's all in the name of Jesus? Well, I think you have a dynamic week of high school church camp in Southern California, which is where you will find Patty Wyatt this week, my other voice on the show. And today I'm going solo, but you know what? I think I can still talk about Patty behind her back, but in a very positive, honoring way, just so you know. Well, I am excited to catch up with her and hear all the amazing things that God is doing this week. And I keep getting these uh, quick text, these bullet point text messages, you know, like I'm doing this, I'm here. And the last one I got was I heard she was eating whipped pineapple ice cream. And that doesn't even sound good to me, but you know, whatever. It's church camp and you got to try and do new things. Well, before we get too far into our show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio, normally with Patty Wyatt, but today with just me, Lisa Jernigan, and a couple of remarkable special guests. Well, at Girlfriend at, we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, I want to take time, first of all, before we get too far in our show, to thank um, our team at Girlfriended. And each of you know who you are and the significant role you play in our lives and in this ministry. And each week, these guys are just behind the scenes, making things happening, making sure that Patty and I stay on track and, and you know, that we connect uh, the dots and cross our T's and all that stuff. Well, several of our team members have literally been traveling the world, Jamie, and and we are so thankful. Even one of our girlfriends, Julie, uh, she and her husband and, and kids just kind of uh, avoided a very serious accident they were involved in in Oregon. So we are so grateful that it wasn't any more serious than it was. Well, in the midst of all of that, um, our team have still been in the trenches, making sure everything keeps moving, moving amidst all the summer schedules. And they truly are the wind beneath our wings. So I just want to give a shout out to our girlfriend and team and say thank you. Well, I am very excited about our show today and our two special guests, Tammy Smith and Amy Fenton Lee. And in our postcard this week, we asked the question, what would you do? And basically is how do you respond when you see a need? How do you know when to get involved, and what that should look like. And those are tough questions. So many times we see a need and we feel like, I should do something, but I feel inadequate, or 
what if I get involved and where will that lead and all these questions go through our mind and and these questions really they made me think this week about okay am I really responding appropriately when God puts somebody in front of me or a need in front of me am I really a responder to needs or do I tend to stay on the sidelines and become more of a spectator which is very easy to do because each one of us live very busy lives and it is inconvenient to get involved so many times well both of our guests today are what I'd like to call first responders to life and to the needs of others. And you're going to walk away from today's show empowered to get involved and experience the significance of serving and serving others. And as we know, serving is such an important part of what life is about, but it doesn't just happen and it's a constant conscious choice we each have to make. Well, I want to go right in and and have you meet our first guest because she is definitely a first responder. Tammy Smith and her husband, Barry, started Impact Community Church in Elk Grove, California, which is just outside of Sacramento, in 1999 with just six people. And in, over the time, it has quickly grown over the years into a thriving community of believers. Well, Tammy is the mother of two, and she's actually the children's director at Impact. And Tammy is also a part of Bloom, which is a thriving ministry that provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for church planters' spouses so they can provide the same to their families, staff, and churches. And Bloom is a part of an organization ministry called Stadia. And Stadia, is it really rallies and brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. And I love their tagline. We say this every time. They give you 7 billion reasons why you should do this because there's 7 billion people on our planet. So representing Bloom today is our special guest and friend, Tammy Smith. And Tammy, we, I just want to welcome you to our show. And I just am so excited. I feel like I'm sitting around a, a table with you. And I have my coffee. I hope you have yours. And we're just going to have some good girlfriend talk. So welcome to the show. Great. It's great to be here. I also have my coffee in my daughter's zebra cup, so I'm excited well, to be here. <laughs> that is such a girlfriend thing to do. So, okay, yes. I, uh, we were talking about responding to needs and stepping in to serve. And as you know, because you work with women, too, and involved with ministry, and it is really easy to step aside and not get involved at times, but it's also very easy to be guilted into getting involved when maybe it isn't in your area of giftedness. And being the wife of a pastor, which I personally know is a unique role, and for you being the mother of of young children and also holding the position of children's director, that can be overwhelming. Um, How do you, just because a lot, so many of our listeners are women in ministry, women leading, women trying to find what does balance look like amidst all the different roles and the different hats I wear. So how do you find balance in all of this and focus on the importance of using the gifts that God has gifted you to use and not feeling like you have to do everything all the time? Lisa, I don't feel like that I'm a pro at that. Um, when someone told me it went, uh, once in my life that it's all about balance, and then I heard several years later after struggling with that, you know what? It's really not about balance. It's about season of life because one season of life you may focus on something more important for that season than other seasons. I think it's really recognizing what God is teaching you and where you are needed most during those seasons of life. Um, even though it's a struggle, you really have to remember that everyone else is taking, and God wants us to be you. I have this huge sign above my kids' playroom that says, Be you. Everyone else is taken. What has God wired you? If we have Jesus as our Savior, we have at least one spiritual gift. So that's what we really need to focus on is figuring out what our spiritual gift is and really 
perfecting it and remembering that God is the giver of all those gifts, not us. So even though it's tricky to figure that out, there's several suggestions that could help us. One is a spiritual gifts test. You can find that pretty much anywhere mainstream. And then ask a trusted friend, what am I good at? What, what, is God, what do you see God doing in my life, and how have you been encouraged by my gifts? And then most importantly, that probably should be first, actually, is to pray. Ask God, God, how have you wired me? What experiences have you given me? What's the passion in my heart? And what are my abilities that are God-given? Who am I to you? I know I'm loved. I know I'm appreciated. I know I'm full of grace. But why have you put me on this earth? There's a reason to, to serve you because I love you, not to earn your love, but to serve you. So if you're not sure of what you should be doing in ministry or outside of ministry, that's a great way to figure those out just by those three things, spiritual gifts test, ask a trusted friend, and pray to God. And that if you really pray with a genuine heart, he promises to meet us there, and he will show you through those things. You're absolutely right, and I, I totally agree with you. I don't like the word balance, and you always hear that. It really is about the season, and it's about the ebbs and flows of them. Because I know, like, when my kids were uh, younger, and um, I'm, a, I'm a pastor's wife, too, it's like you do have seasons where you have to pull back a little bit, or it looks different. Your involvement looks different. Um, and then other seasons that come around. And it is finding what what is what works for you. And it's so easy. I don't care who you are as a woman. We compare. And yep. we, we always are looking around and going, okay, well, she's doing that, so maybe I should be doing that, too. And... Um, Becky, that is a great quote that you said that you have above your in your kids' room. Be you, because everyone else is taken. We that is a great simple thing to just think about because we want to be like everyone else. Yep. And we want. I I know for me, I look around other people and their gifts, and I go, okay, I want that gift. God, why didn't you give me that gift? Um, yep. Someday it's like I I want to have a gift of voice to sing. I I'm so envious <laughs> people that can sing and and like play the piano and stuff. And God did not gifted gift me with that. But and so someday you know in heaven hopefully I will be able to do that. But it's so easy to look around and feel inadequate, and, yes. and that's overwhelming. And then when that happens, do you find that sometimes and you and just watching women around you that in that overwhelming we we just pull back. Totally, and I even also find that it affects our relationship. Like I'll be going full steam in my family and my ministry, and then I look over and I see another friend of mine deflated or frustrated or even maybe taking it personally out on me, and I'm like, whoa, 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 let's reevaluate, let's rethink, let's reconnect, what's going on? Because I know I compare myself to other people too. And just recently from a friend of mine, I've, really, I've adopted this prayer as well as my friend, and I got it from her, and she's re- I've been praying that God will increase my wisdom and my influence for him. Well, that's a very scary prayer. But since I've been praying that in April, he totally has, and not in these big, huge things, but things like someone asking me for advice in the hallway. And so then I'll try to give the best advice that I can while all along praying, God, help me, help me, help me. And then I walk away going, did I just say that? And so then I really try real hard to focus. Thank you guys so much for giving me those words because they're not from me. But comparison game will kill, will kill and demotivate us. And we can't because when we compare ourselves, it's kind of like looking to God and saying, well, you didn't make me good enough or you didn't make me the way I think I should run. Therefore, you made junk. And in a way, I know it sounds harsh, but we're rejecting God's plan and we're rejecting the gifts and personalities and experiences and abilities that God has given us to take on this new role that we'll never be good at because that's not the way God wired us. But it is a very natural thing to do about comparing and 
and I struggle with it too, if I'm honest. <laughs> I know. I think we all do that, and it, it is so easy because, um, and, and when we compare, we always we always are drawing the short stick. You know, yeah, and yeah. you see, and we compare no matter where we are at. It doesn't just have to be a ministry, but it can be even shopping in the grocery store and you see somebody and you go, oh, I wish I had calves like that. I wish <laughs> I had arms like that. You know, and, and you don't even realize you're thinking these things sometimes. And, and it just comes, we just naturally compare and we put ourselves down in those subtle ways all the time. And then we wonder, why do we feel so so yucky about ourselves sometimes. And we really do have to be reminded that God is a good God. He loves us. We are uniquely and wonderfully made. And sometimes those are words we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that in my head, but why don't I always feel that? And don't you think uh, so many times there are inadequacies in that comparison, they stop us from responding to needs. Yes. And because, yeah. So how do you, how do you, and what do you see with that? And like when it stops you, you know, from going forward and really being you? Uh, well, I have to stop because I'm a doer. And so I need to stop and pray um, that this is really what God wants me to do. And I'm, I don't always succeed at that. But I find when I do, God uses me in mighty stronger ways than if I had just responded because I can offer my own my own gifts and I mean, needs. we're going to take a quick break with you right now. Okay. On Togenap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Well, welcome back to our show and my first guest, Tammy Smith, who among her many roles in life is an influencer in the ministry of Bloom, which inspires and encourages spouses of church planners. And I just can't say enough about the network of Bloom and all the, the girlfriends that I continually get to meet, like Tammy, and just a quality ministry that really is equipping um, leaders to do ministry, to step in, to respond. And I just want to give a, a special shout out to my girlfriends, Debbie Jones and Vanessa Pugh, who, who are are leading this dynamic ministry and it is so significant to have a network around you when you're doing anything especially in ministry to know that you're not alone to know that you have cheerleaders who are standing by your side and, and in your corner so uh, we just appreciate so much bloom and all that it offers to so many women and how it impacts even our ministry here at girlfriend it well tammy at uh, the first time we went way, way too fast as you could tell um so yes. as we go to this one i it, it's so it's it's so easy when you have somebody that, you know, can just it, time fly. So I just appreciate the conversation, just the things, the tips you're even giving uh, about, you know, how do you really discover and be uniquely you? And you kind of gave us three tips of, you know, ask, ask, ask God to reveal how he has wired you and your gifted, ask a trusted friend and take a spiritual gift test, which are always um, great tools to remember. Well, um, you do lead the children's ministry there at Impact Church. And one of the, the um, kind of the challenges, I think, of anybody doing ministry is, is working with volunteers, first of all. But then how do you keep volunteers encouraged and energized? And how do you show appreciation? And how do you equip them? Because it's an ongoing challenge. How, what does that look like for you there and with your team? That's a great question, and one that I think um, it will be tricky for anyone if they're honest, because volunteers are just a rare animal because they're not being paid. You can't hold them to the fire like you can a paid employee. So it's just this fine tightrope, but one that can totally be accomplished, especially if your calling is in ministry and with volunteers that have the same gift and love for children as you do, in my case, children's ministry. I do a lot of things to encourage one of my spiritual gifts although not my top one is encouragement and it just i think it comes natural to me uh but and so that helps in me encouraging my my volunteers i do a lot of um silly things like because my budget i'm sure everybody has budget issues like play on words like i'll get a candy bar that's that's a milky way candy bar and i can put a sticker on there that says you are out of this universe or or payday you know your payday will be great in heaven or york peppermint patty you're worth your weight in gold i also really try hard because i know everyone is busy in their lives and high tech and just their schedules is just whatever god's speaking in my quiet time i really try hard to send that off to my team via email that way they get it when they when they can and i just call that email something to think about email and that could be like a small, a short paragraph, a story that I heard with a scripture, or even just something really small, um, like a tagline. And, so, and then I always end that with something to think about. And I kid you not, I get more feedback from that kind of email from my team. Oh, that really hit me. God really spoke to me about that. Um, so that I think I'm hoping and praying that that is also encouraging to my team. We also do prayer cards. I, I really care for them individually as a person, or I try to, not just as serving in the classroom on Sunday or Saturday nights. I um, try to update that regularly, and I keep those by my nightstand, and they know without a doubt that I pray for them via, by their name, at least once a week, personal prayer requests. And then I send cards in the mail, or I try, um, although I'm only one person. We also have appreciation meeting and a summit meeting 
twice a year. Appreciation meeting is more appreciating them, lots of gifts. We play Minute to Win It this year. And then our summit is more training, more vision casting for the year. But it takes like 76 people to run our children's ministry every weekend, and our roster is about 130. So it's really challenging to um, adequately uh, encourage them. And so I have to really rely on God and their relationship with God, pushing them to really work their spiritual habits in their own life so that God will equip them and God will encourage them and reach down where they're at so that they understand that their ministry is vital. Their ministry to our local body and our community that is lost is so needed. And when they're not there, it really affects our team. Our team works together. And so even though it's a challenge, I'm trying to be good students of our team and always trying to equip them, although I know I come short often, and it's by their grace that they're really good to me. But together we work as well as well as we can with a team with God at the helm. <laughs> well, those are great tips. And, and, you know, it does take a lot of time and effort. And um, I know I, I always struggle with how do you adequately just show appreciation and, and let people know that you they really matter. What they do really matters and that yes. you really do appreciate it because it's so easy for life to just kind of um, consume and things come in your path and you're like, oh, I wanted to do this and I didn't. You wanted to encourage and equip them. And it's, there's always something that kind of comes through and interrupts and, and kind of diverts your attention. But those are very good tips. And I like how you, you put the fun in there, like with the candy yeah, bars yeah. and different things, because you have to have fun doing ministry. It can't be, because yeah. ministry, a lot of times it is overwhelming and it is, there's some, it can be intense, but it, you have to learn how to have fun with your team and them as individuals, like you, like you said, and having the prayer cards that you're praying for them as individuals they're not just um a project and they're to serve your purpose in ministry but they truly you truly care about them as people and individuals and that is that is the challenge for any of us just in ministry is 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 giving it away too so Mm -hmm. they feel like okay you are making such a significant difference and that's not about me i we kind of become more the facilitator uh, yes. of, of ministry and people, allowing them to stand up and let God use them. And don't you get so excited when you see people when um, God uses them and they get to experience that joy and they just feel like they totally participated with God? Yes, I actually have chills if I'm real honest right now. Because when they get it, wow, it's like a light bulb and you can't stop them. I was just talking to a volunteer on Sunday. She had all these great plans for vacation Bible school and I had to pull her off the ground, like I had to be her weight to to bring her back on earth. And I said, dude, I would much rather have my job be pulling my volunteers back just a little than trying to encourage them and put wind under their sails. That's the way it should be. They should understand who God has wired them to be, and if not, get help to do that, and then just take off under the direction of your church's vision and mission and just take off. And then your your job is easy as a director. You just stand by and be their biggest cheerleader and go, yay, you did that. Our team did that with your direction. Way to go. Woohoo. And you're right, ministry is messy, and I am a little quirky, and um, I believe in having a lot of fun and not taking myself seriously. In fact, my team calls things that I say funny like Tammyisms. So <laughs> we we have a great time and we work with kids and we just do the best that we can with the kids that God has given us and entrusted us with. Well, I think quirky is really good. We, I, I agree <laughs> and I value quirkiness. So so you're right there. Okay, I want to, this leads to another question because talking about, you know, just 
just managing volunteers and, and trying to constantly encourage them and equip them. How do you, I, and it's interesting because I was just having a conversation this week with a, with a friend and, you know, sometimes as women, we need to, to refuel and refill and just kind of rest to kind of recharge again because our, our tanks get empty. And I was just talking to a girlfriend uh, just the other day and she was saying, we we're talking about this very subject and she goes, I feel so selfish doing that. And I said, you know, it's not being selfish. It's having self-care because you can't keep depleting and you can't keep going. It's okay because you matter too. And we forget that we matter too, that God is speaking to us and needs to get our attention. We need to, you know, be, be still and listen to him as we pour into others. So how do you personally refill, refill and refuel? That was hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. That's a great question and one that I think goes back to balance and um, that struggle with, oh, my, I have this this list of things that I need to do, and you check them off, and one of those ends up being our quiet time or our time with God. And I struggle with that, too, because I'm a doer, and my love language is acts of service, and so therefore I show others love by doing things for them. Um, So my biggest struggle in all that, and it's funny that you asked this question to me because it is kind of personal, which is great, is uh, many times I fall into this rut of serving God to earn his salvation or to earn his love. And I don't know if that's my upbringing or just with being more of a a strict church growing up or if I've just taken that upon myself. Either way, I'm really working at, no, serving God is more because we love him. And God desires so much to hang out with us and to be with us, even though we're the ones that need it. Even Jesus withdrew from the crowds. So if Jesus did, my goodness, how much more does that say about us that have, have monstrous sins in our life? We need to do that. And I believe the bottom line is for me is I have to schedule it. And I know that may sound cheesy. That may sound um, like I'm revealing something about myself, my imperfections. But it's the bottom line for me, and I think if a lot of women are honest, for them too, if it's not scheduled a time for refreshing ourselves and a time with God, then chances are it won't happen because life happens, ministry is messy, our kids need us, our husbands need us, our friends need us, neighbors, whatever our role is, that always seems to creep in and take it. Whether that's time by yourself to get your nails done, whether that's time to go on a walk, whether it's time to sit outside and read your favorite book, or time with God. So I think it needs to be scheduled. The other thing I think is that our husbands really need to encourage us to do that. I think it's more natural for our husbands to sit and uh, take time just to watch TV because they can, their brain can do that. They can just shut everything off or like compartmentalize. But our brains are more complex than we're, we always are doing like 100 things at once. So if our husbands encourage us to do that, which mine has been really great and I love it, the more we, the longer we've been married, uh, I feel like he's just becoming more and more of a good student of me, even when I don't realize it. He'll push me out the door. Go to Starbucks and read your book. Go get your nails done. Go get a pedicure with Taryn, our daughter. So I really think that uh, scheduling it and having a supportive husband, um, those are the ways that I have found that has really helped me replenish my time to take care of myself and my time with God. Even though I still have to fight the guilt bug, because the guilt bug and the comparison bug always creep in. I have to say that is just Satan, and God really wants me to take care of myself so that my picture is full and overflowing with love for my children and my husband and my body of believers that I work with 
and my people that are non-Christians that are around me. It needs to always be overflowing, and it can't be if I am my bucket or my pitcher is not full of love and taking care of myself. It's a constant struggle, but I try. that's how I try really hard to, to battle that. Well, and you know what? We just have a few seconds before we have to uh, go into a commercial break. And, Tammy, again, I want to thank you so much for joining the show and sharing that. And you just made up a good point. It's like even having your husband support that we have to communicate our needs to others around us and say, you know what? I'm at that point right now. I need some time alone. Can you you know, help me make sure that happens and to schedule it? Again, thank yep, you for, yep. for sharing your heart and your heart be with us. And we just appreciate, again, you and the Ministry of Bloom. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back with our next guest, Amy Fenton Lee. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. In the annals of recorded history, there has never been anything that can compare to home movies. But now, in this modern era, where do you turn for the best information? Right here. It's the Home Movie Legacy Project, hosted by Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Learn how to organize, digitize, share on social media, use this genealogy research, repurpose, or even monetize found footage. Discover ways to find films about your own family that you didn't even know existed. Or create a documentary that can use the power of home movies to deliver a message that can impact the lives of many. For more on Rhonda and the show, go to our website, homemovielegacy.com. Then be here as the journey continues with the Home Movie Legacy Project with Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to our conversation today, challenging each of us to see where God is working and to respond. Well, my next guest is Amy Fenton Lee, who is the special needs consultant to Orange and is also responsible for developing content and resources offered through the Rethink Group. Well, Amy has written extensively on the subject of special needs inclusion in children's ministry and student ministry environments. And Amy's writing has been published in dozens of in-print publications, journals, and websites. 
In 2012, Amy served as a special needs columnist for Children's Ministry Magazine. Well, Amy, I have to say, it is such an honor to have you on our show. I'm very excited, and um, I just appreciate you responding in this way, because it is very significant in our church that we do take care of our families with special needs. So welcome to Girlfriend It. Thanks, Lisa. I'm honored to be here. Well, I just want to kind of jump right in, because this is... um, an area, I think, it doesn't matter what size church, that there will always be families with special needs. And many times, historically, um, and even currently, a lot of these families, their needs are overlooked because the church doesn't really know how to respond to that. I wanted to start with you, um, because many families, they want to go to church, but they can't because they don't always feel welcome. And you personally do not identify yourself as a special needs parent, and you haven't ever served on staff at a church, but what led you to start writing on this topic? Um, You are correct about all of that. I have not ever served in a paid position um, on a church staff. I have been a volunteer um, my whole life. (laughs) And what I mean by that is I am a pastor's kid. My dad is a church pastor. And so you know what happens when you're a kid um, and the vacation Bible school day is over. You're going to be doing something to help. And then as soon as you're old enough, it it might be in the fourth grade or fifth grade, you're helping with the preschoolers. So um, I've always been serving in some form in my church and most of the time has been in uh, children's ministry environments. And after I became a mom uh, eight years ago, of course, I, I was, I think I was still serving in children's ministry even as a single person, but I jumped in with two feet, uh, you know, when I became a mom and was doing my regular service and as my son promoted, I was doing more. Um, it was also this very same time that I began writing as a hobby. It was just a hobby. I do not have any background in journalism. And um, I had experienced some really hard things in my life, things that are topics for another day. But one of the things that um, when I was reflecting and kind of coming through a hard period in my life was I was noticing that uh, people who are Christians and even church staff often don't know how to appropriately support somebody going through grief. And grief can be from a lot of different things. And just as a hobby, and I think probably as my own my own therapy, um, I, I was writing, and one of my first articles that I wrote on was how to support a friend that was going through a crisis. And I had interviewed a dozen women who had been through, each woman had been through something very difficult in their life that brought on grief. For some, it was infertility. For some others, it was infidelity. They had experienced the infidelity of their spouse. There was death. One person's um, one person in the group that was interviewed, um, they they experienced a murder in their family. And you know, I realized that people don't know what to say to people who are hurting. And so I had written this article um, after interviewing these women with specific takeaways for a Christian, what to say to someone. If so often people want to say the right thing or they want to do something, but they don't know what to do, and so they shy away. So I'd written this article after doing this research, and the editor came back to me after the article had been published, and she said, this article turned out to be really popular. Have you ever thought about addressing anything about special needs? And 
I said, you know, that's interesting because my son, who at the time was in occupational therapy, he actually has some mild sensory processing uh, issues, and we were in therapy, and I was stepping into that world, and I was seeing, when I would go to therapy appointments, I was seeing what the life of a special needs family looked like, and I was like, oh, wow, this is a different world that so many of us are unaware of, and the editor had said, would you consider writing an article um, that sort of coaches is the sister, the friend who has, um, who has a sister or a friend of a child with special needs. We don't know what to say. We don't know how to appropriately support. Would you write an article on that? And I, and I did, and I started interviewing some families to write one article. And that was when I felt a tremendous burden to shift um, sort of my focus. And, and that hobby has ended up obviously becoming bigger than a hobby. But I realized through the interviews of these women, for this one article, that the place of the greatest pain was in their church. And that was where they either didn't experience acceptance or people ignored them. Um, People didn't know what to say. And then they also had stories of people not knowing how to accommodate their children. And I do believe that the church is the bride of Christ. And even with all its messiness and ugliness, and goodness knows, churches, churches can be toxic places sometimes. But even even in the toxicity, even for the hard things, I still believe in the church. And I thought from listening to all of these women, these mothers, because I interviewed mothers, there's got to be – there's we've got to help these churches. And so um, I changed, you know, the focus of my research and went more into churches. How do we get churches to – change so that we can change the storylines of all these mothers that I'm interviewing. So that's, I know that was kind of a long-winded answer, but that's how I got into this and have now been writing on this subject for um, for four, four or five years. I think I've lost track. Four or five years. Well, okay. It was a great answer. And, and, and I, you covered so much territory there, just thinking about it, because it's so interesting. It goes back to what you're saying is like what Henry Blackaby and his experiencing God says, see where God is working and join him. And don't you find that so many times the most significant ministry that we find ourselves in is ministry we never planned on being involved with, or we never tried to make happen. It's God was just saying when you were available and we're listening, he starts moving and he tugs our heart in that direction. Like you said, he starts putting that burden inside of you and he starts bringing people around. And before you know it, it transitions and it morphs into something that God is totally using. And I, I like, I appreciate those times because that's when I know it really is about God. It's not about me because it's not something I tried to make happen. It really is where God is leading. There's and no way you can plan for some of these things. Absolutely. And you, don't you feel like it's just such a great spectator sport with God sometimes because you're just sitting there going, okay, God, what are you going to do next? This is very, very cool. And it's very exciting to watch God work and that you get to be used. You know, we get, and it allows us to join him in that. Um, you said some great points. And and one of the things to kind of dissect, because I think a lot of times as women, we do sit on the sidelines and we're waiting for to see and and we're praying and then we're not sure if this is what God's calling us to do or not. But you just jumped right in. God put a burden on you. Like you saw a need. And like you said, from your own personal experience and then what you were seeing around you. So you started asking questions. You started interviewing and you started writing. I want to ask you, was writing a passion of yours something that uh, that you were naturally, you naturally did, or did you just start writing as a result of all this? It's kind of like healing. It really, I I do, I did not have a natural passion as a writer prior to this. Um, I have two degrees in accounting. 
Um, and then I ended up in sales for the better part of a decade before I um, semi-retired to um, have to have my child. Uh, but no, writing was not. In fact, I joke a lot, a lot with people that the only thing I had ever written prior to 2008 was a way too long email. I mean, that's just, I, I did, you know, I would write emails to friends. I loved email, but they would all tell you, oh my goodness, to read one of her emails was a nightmare. So, uh, no, that I did not do writing. I really did start um, kind of as a therapy place. Now, at the time that I started writing, I don't know that I would have told you it was therapy. I think I recognize it now. At the time, I was, um, in fact, when I started my very first articles, I probably still had some bitterness and anger, just to be really honest with you, through some things I had been through in my own life. And when I wrote my first article about meeting friends in crisis, it was from a place of, fortunately, I the tone of the article was really was appropriate, but my heart at that time was people don't know what to say. They should know better than this. They should meet me where I am. They should care, and they have said the worst things to me that were even hurtful, and that was where on the inside I had some of that anger when I wrote that first article. So, you know, you know I can look back now and see where God has used me, God has used me, and where God has been present in my life, even when I thought He was absent. And I want to share that piece because sometimes I'll have people say to me, "It's so wonderful what you're doing. Um, it's such a great place to be. You've got a nice platform now. You have people that believe in you, and that is all true." But there have been more days that I haven't, and there have been days that I did not see God's hand in what I was doing, whether it was the crisis before, whether it was the crisis that led to the writing, or in the middle of the writing when I might have written um, an article I felt led to write. And I, or maybe I had an editor and I've developed a lot of relationships over the last few years with writing. Maybe had an editor reach back to me and say, hey, would you write an article on such and such subject? And I would do it and then they might reject that article, okay? Those are days that you look at and you think, God, where are you in this? This is just not, um, I don't see your hand in this. And it, it was a friend of mine told me, and one of the lowest points, she said, you know, God will get you through this, and you will see God's handiwork even in the crisis of your own life. You just aren't going to see him today, and you might not see him next month. It may not be for months and years that you look and you realize the path that God had you on, and that, by the way, he had you in the palm of his hand every single day. And I get teary. I actually choke up because there have been more days that I have unfortunately not recognized God's hand. And it's taken being able to step back and go, oh, my goodness, he was with me, and he was going to use me even on the days I didn't think he would. Well, I'm just sitting here because it, you do, you're challenging so many of us just to get really real and raw with our feelings because we live in a, in a time in society where we hear everybody's highlights on Facebook or Twitter, and you can kind of start looking at that and going, what am I doing wrong? And it's like, like you said, I have more days where I'm sitting down with my head on the counter than I have where I'm, you know, leaping and dancing for joy. And it's like so many times we highlight, we think everybody's in that euphoric state and every everything's good is happening to everybody because we just post the highlights. But it's good to know that, you know, this is part of the journey. And from that pain that God gives us, there there is that purpose. And we have just about 30 seconds before we have to take a break. I want to come back to, because you talked about, um, this, there's so many things, layers here, but knowing what not to say to people too, mm -hmm. in the midst of this, and that 
what you're talking about too, what God calls us to, he equips us for. And so many times we feel so inadequate. We're talking about this whole thing of responding. We don't even know how to respond or mm-hmm. we find yourself going down a road that God's opening some doors and we're like, ah, but God, I, this is not me. And yet we do know that God equips us along the way. Well, I am so excited to keep talking about this. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking more with my special guest, Amy Fenton Lee. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Are you yearning to connect with those close to you who have passed on? Do you feel you'd be more at peace or more in balance in your life if you could only have that connection? Now you do. It's time for Alex Laws and the Alex Laws Hour. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Alex discovered an incredible balance that allowed him to listen and receive messages from the other side. Not your traditional psychic medium. Alex has spent the last 27 years as an endurance athlete and entrepreneur. At the core of Alex's abilities is his knowing that in order to open one's soul to the universe, one must open their heart to being authentic. The wisdom Alex has shared from those beyond the veil has helped at an international level and changed people's lives and sometimes, too, their direction in life. Need help with your life or business direction? Tap into the spiritual realm of Alex Laws. For more information, check out alexlaws.com. Then join us for the Alex Laws Hour with Alex Laws. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central here on The Rock. Star Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, serving is such an important part of what life is about. And it doesn't just happen. It really is a conscious choice we each have to make. And how? And basically, how am I going to respond to needs and to what I see where God is moving around me? Well, I am continuing my conversation right now with author and consultant Amy Fenton Lee. And the subject of special needs ministry within the church, but it, it actually has taken us down. Um, to, as we discovered Amy's heartbeat for this, it's like God love how God just works because a lot of times he does the unexpected and like when we're not expecting it he will put something in front of our path and go okay here's a direction I want you to go well Amy you extend your ministry by equipping church leaders to successfully include children 
with various neurological and physical differences. And you've done a lot of researching for your writing and speaking by interviewing secular professionals and experienced children's ministry leaders. And you've also conducted interviews with more than 100 parents of children with special needs. And again, I just want to thank you for joining the show today and just sharing your heart and being vulnerable like you just were and um, going into those places where we all you know, we like to have conversations where you, you start talking about what a lot of us think, but a lot of people don't don't vocalize and verbalize. And so thank you for just sharing from your heart with that. Um, before we get too much farther into this, how can people find out more about you and your ministry and your book? And I don't even know if I, you know, if I mentioned your book earlier, uh, but tell us about your book and, and just more information how we connect with you. Okay. Well, the first thing is that I have a blog and everything is is in one way or another, you can find the answer to all those things or get a link out to an answer from my blog. And the blog is called theinclusivechurch.com. That's T-H-E, inclusive, like it sounds, uh, inclusivechurch.com. And so that's that would be kind of the, the starting point to answer all of that. Um, I did just write a book. It's called Leading a Special Needs Ministry. A Practical Guide to Including Children and Loving Families. And that book is written to um, church leaders. The first two chapters is specifically to help on relational etiquette. It is pastoral care. It is, it is designed to give anyone confidence in terms of reaching out to the family that is either going through a diagnosis right now for their child, or maybe they know that maybe this is just a new person in your life, they already have a diagnosis, but you're not sure what to say, how to embrace them, what not to say. There's a few things that are best not to say. The first two chapters are devoted to that, and I would say they would help anybody who has who wants to be a friend uh, to a family that's impacted in some way by special needs. The last seven chapters of the book is really the blueprint um, and guidance for how to set up a special needs ministry. And when I say special needs ministry, it doesn't have to be a big program. It just may be a blueprint and some guidance for um, including one child or two children with special needs. But um, I have found that you know, the first time you do anything is really hard. And for so many churches, they just, they know they should do more for special needs. They feel guilty, but they don't know what to do. And um, sometimes, you know, we just need a recipe card to get started. There is not a formula for including a child with special needs. But there is hopefully a recipe card to get you started, and that's what the last half of the book is, is really something, a template, something for you to read through and go, okay, I, you know what, I, this makes sense. I can do this, and here's what it looks like. So there's that the book, and it is available um, through the Rethink Group, which is also known as Orange. If you've, uh, some of your um, listeners may have heard of the Orange Conference um, or Think Orange. Anyway, that's the the publisher of the book, and, but I do have quite a bit of information about the book and a lot of, of similar content on the blog, theinclusivechurch.com, as well as more information about me. Does that answer well, that? <laughs> oh, you did. You did a fabulous job, much better than I could. And I want to highly recommend to our listeners to check this out and check out your blog and the book. And I, I do have the book and I'm sharing it with our team here at our church because it is such a, it's a vital ministry that the church needs to address. And like you said 
earlier, so many times the church is not the place for hope and healing and, and meeting needs, and it reflects more pain. And, and we need mm-hmm. to really step up and let the church be what the church was created to be, which is the hope of the world and, and a healing place. And so you're, thank you for doing your part in, in the in the body of Christ and allowing God to use you and to even step out of your comfort zone when you were just talking your story earlier and going, wow, I never anticipated I'd be going down this path and writing about special needs and being a, you know, an expert on this and in interviewing and bringing people along. And yet that's how God works. And I think that's a message to each of us is being aware of where God is working and being willing to join him, even if it means stepping out of our comfort zones, realizing that God will equip us along the way when he calls us in a direction. Well, when you were doing a lot of your research, you've talked to a lot of parents and church leaders. When you were doing research for this book, um, did you find that awareness was one of the biggest obstacles? And how did that, and how did that play out? You know, personally speaking, I don't think awareness is the biggest issue. Is it a piece of, is it a piece? Do we need to create more awareness? Yes, but that's not the bottom line issue. And when I got, when I really dove into the research and started talking to churches, because I'd heard from so many parents about how negative their experience had been. So I started contacting church leaders, especially those that I, if I heard that they had any sort of, um, either a special needs ministry or maybe they had successfully accommodated one or two children with special needs, and I'd heard about them through the grapevine. Well, as I was doing that research, it came out over and over again, oh, yeah, we know we need to do this, but we've either had, um, we've, we're, we're scared, we don't think we can do it, and so we are shying away from it, or maybe we, they had a bad experience. Churches have also had some bad experiences of special needs inclusion. And, you know, a lot of that comes from the fact that um, they didn't know what to do. They were, they, they may have mishandled, the church themselves may have mishandled a situation. Um, and then there's, it's hard sometimes because families come to church with sometimes expectations that align with the kind of accommodation in the school system. And some churches can match that kind of accommodation. And for other churches, that's a little more of a struggle. But any Anytime there's missed, there is um, there are expectations that are not aligned, then that is breeding ground for for hurt feelings. So churches were saying to me as I was doing more research, okay, we know we need this, but we just don't know what to do, or we're scared. And one of the things that they were scared of is, okay, is this going to take? Is this going to require more resources than I have access to? In other words. I only have volunteers that help me on Sunday morning. These people are not paid. It's hard enough to get them here on time uh, for any given Sunday morning. So is it going to be harder now to motivate them, to recruit them, if I have kids who are more complex? That's a valid question. It's not as hard as people think it is, but it's a valid question. Or the church is saying, I've got a volunteer who actually leads the children's ministry. We don't even have a paid position. This could be complex for for that person. Um, We just can't do that, or we don't have the space for this. We don't have room for a special needs room. We're maxed out with the rooms we have. So I realized that there there were just lots of obstacles, and some of those obstacles on the part of the church are real and, and, and there's a solution to them. And so that was what the book was about. It's like, okay, you have a real concern. Now let's get it, let's, let's come up with a plan to move past it. And then some of the concerns, um, you know, their perception is reality. And some of those concerns, even though I would argue aren't necessarily as, as, um, they're not as worrisome, 
we address them in the book. We, we get through that. So I feel like churches just haven't known where to turn because um, they knew that they could pull some ideas and some guidance from the school system, yet at the same time that was also intimidating. That seemed hard because of what school systems can do. And they know churches don't have access to tax funding, so they have more limited resources. So really I think the bottom line for the churches has been, at least my experience has been, they fear. They fear failure. They fear that they might handle a child the wrong way um, and that there would be more hurt feelings. And so that's what I really wanted to do was just dive in and talk about how to set things up so that we could both reduce legitimate fears. We could uh, lessen a church's liability when that comes into play. We could do those things, and at the same time, we could ease the the fear of, okay, you can really do this. And one of the comments that I've heard the most since the book has been out, and it was released in April, has been from some leaders who have said, oh my goodness, after reading your book, I realized we really can do this. It seems like a big bad monster to have to tackle special needs ministry. And after I read your book, I realized that we don't have to do everything there is to do the first week. We don't have to do everything there is to do the first year, but we have things that we can do right now to make this coming Sunday a great experience for one child and one family who are impacted by disability. We can do that this week. And so the book lays it out so that churches have a way to go, okay, I can do this, and here's the roadmap, and it, and it feels much less intimidating. Well, you know what? It, it, so many great points, because if, if you're not aware of special needs, if you, it doesn't um, immediately affect you. It is intimidating, and it, you don't know really what, what to do with that. And I think a lot of churches look at it and go, I don't have all the resources. I need certain resources to be able to, to really effectively do this ministry. And what you're saying is just start and start small and just begin. And you've provided a great tool to equip churches of any size mm-hmm. to just start and meet those needs. And, you know, the thing of it is, is that we, we have, you know, several families like that. And it really, you're ministering to the whole family, but it goes back to valuing that child. And as we see in scripture, Jesus has such compassion for the little children mm-hmm. and valuing them. And we can't ignore them. And even the ones with special needs, it's like, really, they are really special <laughs> in so many ways. And how do we really love on them and love the family? Because even for the parents, we're loving them. Uh, allowing them to participate in church because they know that their their child is being loved and cared for. Um, uh, there's one thing I want to add to that, and that is that since I've been interviewing and really have jumped into this, I have found that many families uh, who are wrestling through special needs um, diagnosis and, and their lives are impacted pretty profoundly, those are some of the most spiritually deep people I've ever met. And... Um, there's something that they bring to, and I always hate to say they because it's, it, it, it sounds stereotypical. It sounds like I'm trying to um, label an entire population set, and that's not what I'm trying to do. But I have found a very high number of families who are dealing with special needs that have caused me to grow. I mean, I am a different person because of some of the relationships I've developed through my interviews. And I think that it adds a layer of depth to a church to have some of these families in your midst because they understand suffering far better than the average person and better than 
these people have helped me when I have experienced some really hard things in my life. And I, when you listen to a mother who is wrestling through the hardest diagnosis for their child, you're willing to listen when she says, stop, God is still present. And she shares an example in her life. Amy, I am so sorry. We're going to have to stop and conclude our show. We can find out more information about Amy and Tammy on our website at girlfriendit.com. Thanks for listening. Have a remarkable day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.